Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about the first rollout of Mayor Wheeler's alchemy-managed shelter sites, the wrangling of our city's clean energy fund, and the controversial attempts by certain members of city council to modify the voter-approved charter reform. Joining me for this week's News Roundup is Portland Mercury's news editor, Courtney Vaughn, and our very own lead producer, John Atariani. It's Friday, July 21st. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Welcome, Courtney and John. Thanks so much for joining me on today's News Roundup. Yeah, (laughs) there's the whip. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Of course. As is the custom before we jump into our headline of the week, I will ask an icebreaker-style question so those listening have a better uh, sense of who's in the room also so they can prepare themselves for the kind of show we're making here. This is not NPR. We will giggle, curse, and talk shit. Okay, in recognition of the heat, we're doing a Mary Kiss Kill-style ranking of three ice cream vendors in town. Uh, I think the most well-known. So Courtney and John, I give you Salt and Straw, 50 Licks, and Ed and Bean. Mary Kiss Kill, who wants to go first? I'll go first. I don't know Ed and Bean. I've never <gasps> been there. So oh, Courtney and I look horrified for you. <laughs> which which makes me think, like, we can all marry the same person. It's not, or the same ice cream, right? Yeah, yeah. Since y'all love them so much, I'm going to go with Ed and Bean on the marry, just on the basis of your reaction of how excited you seemed about it. Unseen. Unseen sight, too. Unseen. Sight unseen. Arranged marriage with, uh, I'm going to kiss 50 licks and uh, Salt and Straw's dead. Killing Salt and Straw. Wow. What about you, Courtney? You know, John and I have the same relationship status then. Uh, <laughs> I am I am almost already married to Evan Bean. I spend so much uh, money and time there that it's we're basically already married. Okay. So nothing will change. Uh, I am also going to kiss 50 Licks. I, I definitely frequent 50 Licks often as well. Salt and Straw, you know, the tourists can have it. I'm killing it. You guys, that's mine. I have the exact same setup, which it shows that we should maybe reach out to Ed and Bean, ask if they want to underwrite this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Ed and Bean. Um, the ice cream place I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to marry. <laughs> but I'm going to marry anyways. Well, uh, as is the custom, Courtney, our guests go first. Do you want to uh, tell us what your headline is this week? Sure. Thank you. This week, we published a story about the city of Portland uh, and the Joint Office of Homeless Services sort of um, unveiling, if you will, the new mass alternative shelter site. And if folks may remember last fall, this was a plan that was uh, unveiled by um, Mayor Ted Wheeler's office. It kind of came with some controversy. It it definitely, the initial plans soured folks, I think, um, because, you know, there was some back and forth discourse over what, you know, how we should move toward the next phase of uh, helping folks get off the streets. This is this was initially the plan to sort of take as many people as they could fit in one site and say, well, maybe you can't camp on the streets, you can't stay here, but you can stay in this designated shelter area. So uh, what it is now is the first of those sites has opened in Southeast Portland. It's in inner Southeast Portland, uh, right next to actually the small fire station over there near Clinton and Powell, uh, Southeast 13th area, if you're familiar with it. Um, so this currently is uh, it's still a work in progress. It's eventually going to be scaled up to um, have, I think, about 140 pods. Right now, they're about half of that, so roughly 70 
And it really, I mean, if you've been on the site and if you haven't, it really looks like a safe rest village. Initial plans for these sites did not resemble that. It was it was closer to move everybody uh, to a different spot, but they would still be intense, essentially. Yeah. And I think that's um, what ha- kind of, you know, garnered some mixed reactions. But things have sort of evolved. And now we're at a model that, uh, to me, feels a lot closer to a larger uh, version of a safe rest village. So first one of those yeah. is scheduled to start accepting, uh, you know, residents anytime this month, um, or I should say any day now, and uh, unclear where the other ones will be exactly, but we'll see. Yeah, I heard that the funding of the pods were contingent, like they had to be pods. Like that's what I heard is the governor basically had some money for, you know, houseless uh, encampments. And, and she was like, you're not getting this if they're tents. And I think that's what exactly. made them start singing a different song. Um, but what I heard, and I thought this was actually thoughtful, uh, which sometimes these plans don't feel thoughtful. They just feel like, here, here, here's a thing. Let's go. Um, but there will be spaces for tents because uh, it has been noted that some uh, people transitioning into into housing, they still feel much safer in tents because that's what they're used to. And, and the house feels very constricting and claustrophobic. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Um, you know, and I think... As you mentioned, um, you know, the city had sort of tried to approach the new governor, Tina Kotek, for funding for this, uh, the first of these sites. And uh, Kotek said, you know, the tents don't count as safe shelter. So you have to do something more substantial than that. So that's where the pods came in. Um, but you're right. They they still have designated spaces for tents because a lot of folks, you know, if that's what you've been staying in for a very long time, that's what you're used to. That's what you're comfortable with for whatever reason, you know, that just may be what, what your preference is. So they still have designated spaces for folks who prefer to stay in tents. Uh, I'm a little unclear about how many spaces or, you know, how many tents they can accommodate at these sites, but it will allow for, um, you know, both types of situations. They really touted they've got local vendors helping to um, construct some of the materials they're using at these sites. So they've got this big shipping container, you know, what you would see a train moving or like piled onto the back of a, a, a big truck. And it's, uh, it, but you open the doors and there's individual, um, there's bathroom stalls, there's showers. It, it is really innovative and it's it's neat that they were able to bring that on site without having to construct it from the ground up. So they are trying to be innovative. They are trying to be sort of um, efficient with the space. But um, but yeah, it will accommodate both, you know, folks who maybe aren't ready to, to move into a kind of close quarters pod yet. Something I read in your article that I, I didn't quite understand, it said that residents are going to be referred by the city, county, or nonprofit outreach partner, that they can't just walk up and use it on their own. Yeah. And I'm wondering how that works, because I'm sure that there's a lot of people that would really benefit from this, but that might not be connected to those city services. Did you get any more background on how that's going to operate? Yeah, John, you're absolutely right. I think um, my understanding of it is that the, you know, if you walk up and you're hoping to be able to stay there, um, they can put you in touch with somebody who could do a little bit more screening. So, you know, it's really, I think they're trying to emphasize, um, you know, they've, they've got to keep close tabs on who is staying there and who is not. So you have to check in and out when you um, when you come and leave. Um, but essentially everybody who stays there needs to be sort of vetted or referred by some kind of agency. So they want you to sort of be already working with some kind of uh, outreach organization, whether that's city government, county government, or, or otherwise. So they can get a sense of what your background is, what your needs are, um, you know, who you are. They, they are sort of 
saying they're focused on making sure that they can connect folks with services and the correct services. And so they want to make sure that, um, A, probably that they have the space because they're assuming that you're going to be there for a while. You could say they're indefinitely if needs. There's no time constraint. So, um, so yeah, I think that's a, just a, a way of them trying to sort of um, know who's staying there, know what the person's needs are, and just manage the population overall, mm-hmm. almost like an apartment complex or something. Um, not quite to that degree, but uh, yeah. So it, it is definitely, I think, gonna you know, it, it may create some hiccups for folks who need just. It, it's not like a traditional shelter where you walk up if you're in need. Um, this is more of a you know, you kind of live here for a while situation. Um, but hopefully they can successfully, you know, if someone were to come up, they could uh, connect them to the right folks and get them there eventually. That actually seems thoughtful. Again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, at first I I read that and I was like, oh, is this going to cause a bottleneck? But if there, as you said, there will be services, there will be 24-hour care in a sense because there's always going to be a staff member there and at least one daily meal. I mean, it just seems like they've thought about this. And for some reason, I don't know, because maybe I'm just so pessimistic, um, I was really surprised because this all seems great to me. Uh, having absolutely no experience servicing this community. Have any homeless advocates responded with comments? You know, I haven't really heard from the advocates um, since they um, kind of rolled this out this week. But um, I can tell you, it definitely seems more in line with what people were advocating for to begin with. So I think you're absolutely right. This is this is closer to what folks were hoping for. I think um, initially, we heard a lot of people saying, well, why not just expand the safe rest villages instead of doing these mass uh, sites where people are just going to still not have very, um, you know, not a lot of stable shelter. Why not just expand that model, um, that, you know, transitional shelter, transitional housing model? So, um, yeah, I don't I'm not really sure what the reaction um, you know, is among those who were not super keen on the initial iteration of this plan. But I can tell you it definitely matches more closely with a system that seems is is having success at least to some degree and provides um, a little more in terms of uh, stable shelter, privacy, um, you know, robust wraparound services, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am I am so curious to see, though, how this is actually going to operate in practice because um, it seems like it's just such a tricky balance to be able to maintain the sort of sense of freedom and um, you know non-punitive space that is necessary to be humane, but also Urban Alchemy, the company that is running this, has had some successful sites in California, but they've also faced some pretty major lawsuits. It just seems like a really tricky thing to balance. And since, you know, so many people have so much attention on this. I think we're going to be hearing a lot about any small thing that goes wrong in this space or in future spaces as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, thanks, Courtney. That's actually, I don't know. We've, I don't think we've ever started with good news before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Claudia. Yeah. I don't want to freak you out. Like, I don't want to scare you. Okay. But I've got good news too. Oh, no. <laughs> I do. Okay, do. Roll it out, John. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to talk about the Portland Clean Energy Fund uh, this week, which, you know, th- if for anybody who isn't familiar with it, this was this thing that was passed by voters a couple years ago. And the idea is to have attacks on like giant businesses to sort of go into uh, a fund for, you know, things like weatherization and energy efficient upgrades with like a real eye towards 
getting sort of climate fixes to low-income Portlanders, communities of color. Um, it was a pretty like radical, forward-thinking idea, uh, and it came out the gate and just had a ton of problems. Uh, just like really <laughs> was not going great in the first year or two. Um, partially because it was too successful, it like generated a ton of money really quick and everybody was like oh shit like we've got all this money in this budget and there just wasn't a lot of the infrastructure that was necessary to run it you know like they didn't have just the implementation of this fund was ahead of a lot of the infrastructure that was needed to run it um well there's been a new audit by our city auditor simone reed and says that a lot of those things are starting to get sorted out um, that, you know, what constitutes an administrative cost is starting to get figured out. Um, its ability to sort of monitor how much money is going to come in. Some accountability systems are going into place. So even though it was kind of a, a rocky start for this kind of radical idea, um, it sounds like they're starting to get their arms around it. Yeah, I heard this mentioned as like the local Green Deal which a lot mm -hmm. of people were very excited about, of course. Uh, and then I also read about, was it a year ago when when they put out that article that they're just like, nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of money <laughs> and literally yeah. absolutely no checks and balances. So this is wonderful. Do you think that Simone Reed had much to do with this? I know that uh, Commissioner Carmen Rubio was taking a lot of credit for uh, setting a lot of these systems into place. I, I'm, I don't know if, you know, Courtney, you do uh, reporting on stuff. <laughs> do you know? <laughs> That's what I've heard. I don't know. Um, do you know uh, the inner workings of this? I, I don't know a whole lot. I do know that um, the the new auditor um, is um, they're continuing in the um, doing these updates, which I think Portlanders really appreciate. So it's not just this big report and then not, you know, uh, revisit that for quite some time. So I think those updates are really helpful. Like John mentioned, that's how we know, okay, you know, things are back on track, but, um, it definitely was, it's a weird thing. It was like a kind of a good problem to have like, oh, we have too much money. You know, we, yeah. we agreed we wanted to do this program, but we didn't realize we were going to bring in so much money. But also I think it's clearly, you know, Portland just want to know, well, uh oh, are we, are we overtaxing people or are we, you know, are we, are we going overboard with systems? Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure, but, you know, it's definitely a, a little bit refreshing to hear this update and that, you know, things are moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and from an article by Shane Dixon Kavanaugh in The Oregonian, um, again, $400 million raised, and it's and it's already put out $150 million into the community for these projects. Um, I mean, again, there were some problems. There was a story where they gave like $12 million to a nonprofit um, whose leader had been in jail for defrauding energy companies. Oh, so, cool. you know, there's there's been some bumps <laughs> along the way. But um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully uh, they're, they're sort of getting their arms around it. Simone, what happened to that 12 million? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I mean, again, like I, I, I don't have like close eyes on the inner workings of, of city government. But, you know, Commissioner Carbon Rubio, who's in charge of uh, planning and sustainability, has taken a lot of credit, is responsible for overseeing it. Um, and I feel like Carbon Rubio is a commissioner who we don't talk about as much on this show. It doesn't isn't as grabby with headlines as some of our other 
to be named uh, city commissioners, but coming attractions in the roundup. I feel like you're rolling out the red carpet for my headline, and I really appreciate that. But yeah, thumbs up, Carmen Rubio. Good job. Yeah. Uh, Courtney, do you also thumbs up Carmen Rubio? I know you can't, but do you? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I thumbs up anybody who's committed to uh, taking the recommendations of an auditor seriously. So we'll say that. Uh, let's let's yeah. let's all say that. Let's all say that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, uh, more headlines of the week. All right, guys. Well, my headline uh, comes from uh, frequent news Friday roundup guest. Willamette Week City Hall reporter Sophie Peel. Uh, Her article is titled, Spirited City Council Discussion on Proposed Changes to Charter Reform Measure Resolves Little. Which I was like, that's a bold title, Sophie. Like, that is hard. I don't know who's going to Google that. But profoundly factual, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I was just like, yeah, but like, that was it. That was the whole article. Uh, For those following our latest City Hall drama last week, there was rumbling that Commissioners Renee Gonzalez and Dan Ryan would propose amendments to our voter-approved charter reform measures before they could even go into effect uh, in November 2024. So there was immediate backlash even then. There was, you know, like there was already think pieces, the stuff was, but this week, this is the week that the backlash became even louder because the two commissioners brought it up for discussion during a very heated Portland City Council session this Tuesday morning. Now, the end game for Gonzalez and Ryan is that they want to bring up these changes to ballot for voters, either in November 2023 or the May 2024 election, uh, meaning it could delay the implementation of our charter. And it would also rack up fees. It's just like people are already just like, uh, like holding their heads at City Hall. Like they're just like, no, (laughs) you know, Um, and the voters are being very loud that they're not into it. Um, but before I dive into the proposed changes, do y'all have any comments? Because um, you, both of you keep shaking your head. So I want to just let it out, guys. Like, what's going on? I've got so many thoughts on this, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you to keep rolling unless you've got an initial take, Courtney. <laughs> I don't. I think uh, you summed it up pretty well. It's, it's, um, it's yeah, spirited, spirited conversation, spirited debate is probably an accurate way to catch that. <laughs> Um, well, here are the proposed alterations to the charter. One is adding a mayoral veto. Now, right now, Portland doesn't currently have a mayoral veto, but the Charter Commission did think like did consider it because a mayoral veto is actually something that most major cities do have, meaning that a, a council can come up with something and, and the mayor could just be like, mm, no. But uh built into a lot of other city uh government is that the city council could also veto the veto. So I don't know, man. So anyhow, the charter was just like, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep the executive branches balanced. And, you know, if if the mayor has to veto, then the mayor has to explain why. And the mayor has to get everyone on, the, on, on their side, you know? Um, so that was a big deal. And this is actually something that Commissioner Mingus Maps and Mayor Ted Wheeler had brought up before the everyone voted. Uh, and... Now they're they're not bringing it up because they're just. Wait, wait, you mean mayoral candidate Mingus Maps? <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting? Mayoral candidate Mingus Maps. What? Huh? Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, this, I'm sure this is way before he even knew he was going to run for mayor. I'm assuming. <laughs> just total coincidence. Just yeah. total coincidence. Uh, brought this up, uh, but then again, 
the people voted and he hasn't brought it up since. So to his credit, he's not bringing it up. Uh, anyhow, the second tweak is that they want to shrink the city council uh, from 12 to eight members. So currently the charter says Portland will get divided to four voting districts with each gaining three city council reps, meaning we'd have 12 city councilors in total. Right now, we literally just have four commissioners. Um, and so Gonzalez and Ryan want to shrink the number down to eight. Gonzalez explained why. Here's concerns. Uh, oh God, they just sound so like, I was just like, why didn't anyone tell him to stop talking? Uh, he just doesn't think that there are going to be 12 qualified candidates. He's like, there's the inability to attract, like, give me 12 people who can actually run this government. I don't know. And also the costs associated with increasing the size of the council. I'll meet him there. I'll meet him there. Because like, you know, the new city budget pr proposed $124,000, uh, you know, salary for these 12 new counselors. And I was just like <gasps> aghast a little, but at the same time, it's a hard job. So I don't know. That's number two. And the last one, and this is the wonkiest one, and the one, John, that uh, you know that I, I had to watch like five videos to understand. <laughs> Courtney, do you know about yeah. single transferable rank choice voting? I will admit that I, when folks like, uh, you know, Commissioner Gonzalez and Commissioner Ryan say that the system is confusing, they're absolutely right. It's not something most people know about innately initially. Yeah. But so it is a little bit wonky in that, you know, um, you have to garner something like 25% of the vote and then the votes can be transferred. I'm not going to attempt to explain it correctly because I, I don't honestly think I can do it without reading it. I have like a long paragraph from a local reporter in my notes that I'm looking at that explains it. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to read this on the show. <laughs> and are you talking about Taylor Griggs? Taylor's explanation was great. I had to read both Taylor's and Shane Dixon Kavanaugh's explanation to even begin to wrap my head around it. So just know, you guys, that ultimately your votes actually matter more with the system that the charter reform is trying to implement. Um, so anyhow... Gonzalez and uh, Ryan are just like, Portlanders are not going to understand. This is too heady, man. Let's let's make this less heady. But here's the deal. Their proposal is just as confusing. It's not like they're like, oh, this is simpler. And I'm just like, you, it basically tries to mix both the majority vote along with ranked choice. And, and it's just like, it doesn't matter. Just pick one. I will say that for the ranked choice voting, huge pushback from the co-founder of Oregon Ranked Choice Voting, Mike Alfani, and also city elections officer, Louise Hansen, basically was just like, you guys, no, stop. This isn't going to be like a quick little fix. Like, do you know how hard it was to, to come up with the first plan? Like, and also like, it's going to cost $630,000 to like even put this up to vote. Like, she was just like, y'all know, you know? Um, but what do you guys think? Oh my gosh, it's such a mess. I know. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, I could go like point by point, but I, I just like, I kind of feel vindicated by this because I feel like all along I've been saying, I, I like the idea of charter reform, but this process is going to be messy. That this process is just, there's way too much on the table here. There's like way too many like small ways for people to pull influence and to reshape city government in a way that is going to cater to special interests. And it, and it gets out of the hands of the voters who had, you know, 
a majority of Portlanders decided that this is the system that we want. Nearly 60%. And that, you know, a small group of elected leaders can just sort of come in and, and mix it up, which, you know, looking down this list, some of these things I think are good ideas. Some of them I think are bad ideas, but like, it's just not the process that I want to design our city government. There's a there's a lot of pushback right now because it's we haven't seen it implemented as you as you mentioned and so even folks who feel like sure it would have been nice to vote on some of these things um, independently instead of one big package because maybe they wanted some elements of the initial charter reform measure but not others um, you know the the ultimate argument is it's too late to be uh, going through and making these major changes now let's put what we already voted on in place see how it works we can always change it down the line. Um, you know, I think it's interesting, though, like with the with the mayoral veto that, you know, I think the mayor came in and surprised a lot of folks saying the veto is really not necessary. I, I'm the mayor and I'm telling you, don't worry about that. Stop stop focusing your energy there. He's like, he brought up a good point that, you know, veto powers should be used rarely and they should never be used to undo uh, a policy decision that's already been made. So uh, if you're thinking about it from that perspective, that's the wrong way to think about the, necess- the necessity for a veto. Uh, and then, you know, with the size of the council. Um, another point that was brought up is um, it, the number of uh, dedicated, you know, council seats doesn't necessarily always predict the number of candidates. So if you're trying to reduce costs in that regard, that's not a surefire way to do so. You know, you're not going to, mm-hmm. um, you know, you'll have more people to pay, sure. Uh, but you also run into issues of okay, if you've got two people for dis, you know, per district. Um, it's you can kind of run into a situation. I would imagine, uh, and other people have brought this up, where you've got one, you know, two people who represent a district, and what if they're fundamentally opposed, and they can never really see eye to eye on how to move things forward for that district? It feels like there's too much room for that to happen. Uh, and you know, the ranked choice voting is going to be a little bit cumbersome. Sure, um, everybody says that, uh, but you know, it's, it doesn't mean that the the system that voters uh, chose is fundamentally wrong. Is it confusing a little bit? Sure, um, but you know, I think like you mentioned. You, People came in and said, you you trying to change that now is going to be a nightmare. You know, the, mm-hmm. it, anybody who comes in and says, well, do it this way instead is, is just going to further confuse voters because they're going to be asked for other uh, ranked choice decisions in the future. So, um, yes, it's, we're going through growing pains. It's going to be confusing. That doesn't necessarily uh, justify shaking everything up. <laughs> I will say, John, just to, to piggyback on Courtney's uh, point that the mayor was like, you know, we don't need this. Stop talking, you guys. Um, he didn't say that, but, you know, I, I feel like I felt it when when uh, on his quotes. But uh, Portlanders actually gathered in front of City Hall this Tuesday when this discussion happened before the council meeting to show that they were against the changes. Um, and I saw a video actually taken by Portland Mercury, Courtney, uh, that there was a good amount of people there with signs and, like, children with signs. That's when you know it's serious. There's children with signs, you know, like, even they're mad. Um, and they were like bullhorns and like it was a full on rally and seven yeah. Oregon state senators and representatives uh, and officials like local officials just wrote a letter on Monday, you know, signed it. And we're just like, please don't just stop. Just don't do this. You know, don't don't mm-hmm. undermine the will of the voters. And Mingus Maps and Mayor Wheeler, both who, by the way, did have, you know, some issues with the charter before it was voted in. We're just like, you guys, We it's just stop. And I just, I mean, I can't speak for Carmen Rubio, but I just don't see her voting for, <laughs> for this. So, I mean, I know, John, you were just like, this is going to get really messy or whatever. But it seems like 
it is by two, you know, most of the chaos agents of the of the of the chamber right now. But I feel like it's gonna get subdued. Uh, but this yeah. is me just also trying to bring some good news here that maybe I'm forcing it. <laughs> what say you, John? <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the good news. Uh, uh, optimism. I hope so. You know, um, I hope this doesn't go through. I hope that we can just sort of stick with what was put in place by voters last year and see how it works. What do you think, Courtney? Yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, sure, there's some uh, merit in, um, you know, allowing folks to choose these major components of charter reform uh, individually. But uh, I also am not a fan of, uh, you know, building the plane as it's flying. Right? In this mm-hmm. case, it feels like you're still trying to build the plane when it's about to land. And that feels uh, more reckless to me. Let's just let's just swap out the wheels. What could oh, go wrong? I <laughs> That's such a good analogy, Courtney. I've not heard that. I'm going to like file it for later. Uh, (laughs) Building the plane as it lands. Wow. All I want to say to this is that, you know, Mr. Rene Gonzalez, if you'd like to come on and, and, and chat up your points, I would love to hear them. Because to be honest, there's every once in a while, he says something where I'm just like, uh, because even when he said 12, you know, where are we going to find 12 qualified people? There was a bit of me who was like, you know how hard it was to find four qualified commissioners, you guys? <laughs> and, so, and so even though I knew, I was like, oh, my God, this is so insulting to us at large. Also, I was just like, well. <laughs> and that's when I get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> The ultimate answer is like, where are you going to find, uh, you know, 12 qualified people in the same city where we found four and five? I mean, let's be real. Portland is a city of incredibly bright, talented, ambitious people. I'm I'm sure, you know, we'll find some folks lining up to do the job. It's not like we don't have enough bright people. It's that we just don't have enough bright people who want to do the job because they're so bright Mm -hmm. that they know (laughs) that it's going to be a total shit show. Uh, So hopefully you guys, come on, man. Run, run. <laughs> I want to vote for someone awesome. I don't want to vote for someone that I have to vote for, if that makes sense. Yeah, same, same. And the good news is that regardless of what happens, even if these change, even if, uh, you know, Gonzalez and Ryan are uh, successful and voters do end up looking at this again, we're still going to have ranked choice voting at the end of the day. So you'll still be able to pick your, you know, first, second choice, all that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, that gives me uh, peace. Mm-hmm. Oh, I same. love that. That gives me peace. All right. Well, John, Courtney, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Claudia. Just a quick note that during our taping, it was reported that Commissioner Dan Ryan went back on his support for two of the three proposed charter reform referendums he and Commissioner Renee Gonzalez brought up for discussion at this past Tuesday's city council meeting. Though Ryan did voice he still holds steadfast support as of today for the mayoral veto. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thank you so much for listening. Our lead producer is John Atariani. Our audio producer is Julia Fiaioni. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Stephen Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. Slim's.